Some people are really, really good at social media. I am envious of these people. Today's guest on the podcast is one of them. And after we met at a podcasting conference and I started following her social accounts, I would just come across one of her posts or her reels and think that is so good. So I had to ask her to come here and talk about something she knows and understands very, very well. Deirdre Chien is the host of the Grow My Show podcast and the founder of CapShow, an AI copywriting tool, and is generally an expert at growing companies and building communities on the internet. She and I are talking about creating great social content, and she's going to be sharing some excellent tips, as well as her principle of content honey traps, which she uses to make sure that her content doesn't just amuse or entertain people, it converts and helps her grow her business and her podcast. And that's what's happening today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Deidre, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so pumped about this. Excellent. I've been looking forward to it as well. And the first thing I have to ask you is to reach back through the the sands of time and your memories to the very first podcast that you remember listening to. What was it? Yes, gosh, I can even remember where I was when I decided to turn the podcast on. So can I tell you a little bit about the story? Paint a picture for us. I'd absolutely (laughs) love to hear it. (laughs) Okay, so at the time... We had just opened our first business. So this was back in 2013. My husband and I had opened a hospitality business. It was a dessert bar called The Chalk Pot. And fun. Yeah, it was was a blast. So at the same time, I was actually still working full-time in corporate. And so I used to always commute from our our home, obviously, into the city. It probably took about 20, 25 minutes. And then I would commute from my corporate job to the business to work Mm -hmm. there at night and I remember I was walking through the tunnel so it was the tunnel I get off at Wynyard station was like the station and there was a tunnel that led me to the bank that I was working in I was consumed by my thoughts around like I just started this business it was not doing fabulously well (laughs) first time entrepreneurship was I was so naive this is hard and dessert is particularly hard like I used to be a pie maker for a living. So like that's wow. okay, cool. Yeah. So you know exactly, yeah, yeah, what we went through. And then I stumbled across this podcast called How I Built This with Guy Ross, mm-hmm. which is obviously a massive podcast and I'm sure yeah, everyone yeah. knows about it. But at the time it was actually what I needed because I felt so alone in this journey. And I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna make it. We've just opened, we're in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt just from fitting out the place. We have rent to pay, we have supplies and wages. And I'm like, I just don't know how we're going to get out of this. And that was, you know, just listening to other entrepreneurship stories and seeing that everyone has gone through their version of this, of struggle and strife and still be able to make it. That gave me hope. That was my my long way of answering your question about the first podcast I listened to. (laughs) No, that's lovely. And that means if I'm doing the math right, you're coming up on almost a decade of entrepreneurship of various kinds. That's right. That's yeah. a heck of an anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Perfect. And so your current business, do you run a very cool tech company called Cap Show, which is uh, the first AI copywriter for podcast show notes. Just tell me a little bit about, I guess, how you came up with that. How did you go, I guess, in a reasonably quick explanation, how did you go from dessert to AI copywriting? Because those are big different industries <laughs> and I'd love to hear how that happened. Yes, very, very different. So the quick version is... Basically, we grew that business chalk pot to five locations. So it ended up being, it was awesome. 
We also opened up burger restaurants. We had two of those in Sydney. And then in 2018, end of 2018, we found out that one of our store managers of our busiest stores had actually been stealing from us. And we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It kind of made me rethink, is this the path that we wanted to actually be on? Yeah. For me, I obviously came to a point of like, no, I've always wanted to live and work overseas. And my husband was also at that point, funnily enough, you know, we've been together for a long, long time and we've always been so supportive of each other. And he was very much the brains and the face of that business. But even he was like, this isn't what I want to be doing anymore. So at the time, I was actually exploring another business, another idea, I guess, in fashion technology with my now co-founder, Bonner, Bonnerai. When we made the decision to move to New York, so Ash and I, we were trying to work, I was trying to work out with Bonner to be like, you know, we can still make this work. We'll be like 24-7, basically, because between Northern and Southern Hemisphere hours would just be yeah, away yeah. all the days. But in the end, I was just like, you know, do you want to just come with us? So she came to New York with us. Well, that's friendship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel really fortunate, actually, because I, I got to come with like two of my best friends, which is mm. so much fun. And so we decided to fail that business. We fell into agency work, helping e-commerce business owners grow. We then transitioned into coaching. And through that path, we actually realized that, you know, a lot of our clients were like, I understand that I need to tell my stories because that was a big thing um, that I was trying to get them to do because they would hide behind their products a lot. They were like, I just don't know how. And so that was actually where the first iteration of Capture came about, which we would prompt them through telling their stories and then we would turn that into a bank of captions. And I was like, this is awesome. This is going to help all entrepreneurs. And as soon as my coach heard that, he was like, no, 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 we are not helping all entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> you have to niche down. And I was like, you don't understand. We're different. You know, all of the same excuses that any coach hears. We are not different. I realized that and I was like, okay, you know what? Yes, we have to niche down. And So when I was thinking about who we wanted to serve, I went back into, well, who am I? So when I had my coaching business, I actually, that was when I started my first podcast and I was actually able to grow that coaching business because of that podcast. So for me, I've always identified as an expert who podcasts. And I was like, this makes total sense because A, I don't have to convince anyone in the podcasting space to tell their stories. That's the reason why they get into podcasting because they're natural storytellers. And when we made that shift to actually niche down to podcasters, specifically Mm -hmm. experts who podcast, that was when Capture, like our product, actually completely changed and iterated. And we were like, because then we could actually hone in on the specific pain point that podcasts feel, namely title, description, show notes, social media captions, promotional email. And now we do blog posts Mm -hmm. and YouTube descriptions as well. So it all fell off the back of us really knowing, honing in and knowing who the people were that we wanted to serve. I love that kind of organic development. I mean, because you knew the problem so intimately from having done it yourself. I love going to the particular market of people you know also have this problem because deep down we all hate writing the show notes and the assets (laughs) that have to go along with our episodes. Yes. People are podcasters and not bloggers for a reason. (laughs) Exactly. I know. I was like, "Eh, this makes total sense. Yeah. We have to do this. <laughs> well, you, so you're the host currently of the Grow My Podcast show. Is there a direct connection that you see between Capture and Grow My Podcast? Or is it more, are they two kind of silos in your business or in your empire? What's the relationship look like there? Yes, 100% to do with the business. 
I guess, again, when we decided to niche down and hone in on Experts Who Podcast, I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I've done this myself, right? I've grown a coaching business off the back of having a podcast. And so that was a great outlet for me to share about that. And by Mm -hmm. the way, people who, that audience who wants to be able to grow, who is an expert who podcasts, who wants to grow their podcast because they want to be able to grow their business, they are the actual, our ideal, ideal users for Capture as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, we, 100% aligned. We want to build that audience because we know that they are an audience for our software product as well. well I love it. And I'd love to ask a little bit more about that because I think your audience is really similar to our audience. You know, with the, the business podcast blueprint show, people podcasting for their businesses or companies, whether they are the talent themselves or the marketing manager wrangling their boss, which is such a fun situation to be in. In the expertise-based podcasting, what kind of makes that different, in your opinion, than podcasting maybe just because for the pure love of the game or the other reasons people might start yes. the podcast? What's special about it? Yes, there's so many things that are so, so special about it. And I should preface this by the fact that I have tried multiple times to start a podcast just for some fun. My husband and I, we at the very end of last year started a new podcast called NFTpreneurs. We made it to seven episodes and then I was like, I can't do this That's the topic that. of your today's episode, I believe, isn't it? I listened to that this morning. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was the, the podcast that we podbated, essentially. <laughs> we had this idea and actually we, this is still going to happen, but Bonna is, I would call her a serial dater. And mm-hmm. she actually started dating someone who was almost 10 years younger than her. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do a podcast about her journey to Cougarville. And, <laughs> and so, so we actually listened to that religiously. <laughs> so that's the thing. We have recorded pretty much all of the episodes for season one, but I have not gotten down the time to actually put into editing it and publishing it. This is very much from my perspective. So I tell you that because I know that I am very economically minded. I've done mm-hmm. the disc profile. I've done all the things. And, you know, getting an ROI is really, really important for me to be able to motivate me to do something. So that's kind of why I almost need to be able to align my podcast with the business that I have, because I can actually see the direct ROI. I have, I'm growing this audience and, you know, they wanting them to convert into something. And so I think that's what for me makes podcasting as an expert who like makes it really special because it's such a powerful tool to be able to actually build up that know, like, and trust with our audience. I'm a big, big believer in what is Daniel Priestley's, in Daniel Priestley's book called Oversubscribed, he talks about the seven hour rule. And the seven hour rule is essentially the amount of time that it takes for someone to spend with you in order to then do business with you. And spending time with you isn't necessarily you know, over dinner and drinks, obviously back in the day it was, but now it is about consuming content. And there is no better way than a podcast to be able to, in my mind, to be able to bank up those seven hours. And so that's why for me, it's such a powerful, powerful form of communication. Very cool. I know I like that. I hadn't heard it kind of expressed that way before that I'd heard of the seven hour rule, but kind of looking at the content you produce as contributing to those seven hours. That's really, really cool. I'm making a note of that one for later. (laughs) Well, and just on the podcasts that should exist that don't, we should start a support group maybe for the passion projects that we're not currently running because we work in the industry. I find kind of by the end of the day when I've been working on podcasts all day, I'm just like, yeah, I've got this idea. Mine is 
my grandma is better than your grandma, where people call in and tell stories about their grandmothers. So good. <laughs> but, so much fun. It's never going to happen because by the time five o'clock rolls around, I'm just like, I cannot listen to another thing. Right. <laughs> it's yes. not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maybe someday. Well, I know uh, one of the kind of other things that you talk about and that you lead with wonderful example in, the only thing I think we hate as podcasters and content creators more than having to write show notes is promote our shows once they're made because that's the worst. <laughs> but you do it really well. You make great social media content. You're really consistent and it's really engaging stuff. I know I see your, your videos come up on my Facebook all the time. So I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of your theory of podcast promotion. What's your underlying philosophy of yes. how to do it? Yes, it's a little bit controversial. I'm trying to toe this line of balance, but I don't believe in repurposing content, essentially. That is the, them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, you know, put some caveats on this, okay? Yeah, because yeah, I know that. that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not want to get crucified for this. Yeah, so back in the day, because I'm very much a, a box ticker, I'm like, <laughs> I need to feel good. And how I feel good is by achieving. Um, I put that in mm -hmm. inverted commas for anyone listening to this. And, you know, achieving to me, we all have very all different definitions of what achieving means. And for me, a, a, for a long time, it was like, as long as I feel like I've done something, I've made some kind of progress, that was enough. So for example, mm -hmm. if I give an example, I'll, I'll record a podcast episode. Yeah. And as long as I feel like I've promoted it on all of the social media platforms, so I'm like everywhere, as Gary Vee calls it, like, you know, what is conversation domination or something like, you know, mm -hmm. like you're dominating. As long as I had that feeling, I felt like it was doing good. But again, if we come back to how I'm driven, very economically minded, it didn't take me very long to get to the point of like, is this stuff actually working? I was just doing mm -hmm. the thing. I was creating audiograms. I was just clipping. I was putting it out there. It was not getting engagement. It was like very much single digit likes, you know, low, low views on that. And I'm like, this is not working. Like, yeah, I may be doing it in a very, very little amount of time, but it's still time and it's not getting anything. It's not getting me any results. So I had to think about it a little bit differently because even if I'm not spending that much time on it, I need it to be doing something. It's still your time. You only get a certain exactly. amount of it. You want to be useful. Exactly. Yeah. I started thinking about it a little bit differently and I was like, okay, how can I actually use these platforms or how do I need to be thinking about these platforms or promotion in a way that is going to get me results, which is in my mind, listens, at least, you know, in the step of the funnel, I just want people to listen, start listening to my podcast. Mm -hmm. And so by way of background, you know, when I first started my first business, that was when Instagram was kind of growing as well. So we were fortunate at that time because we kind of grew with them. That was my first mm -hmm. business. And so Instagram is a quite a native channel for me. I kind of, again, grew up on Instagram as, as such. Natural, right? Comfortable for me. But then things started changing as they always do. Algorithms are changing. And I'm like, this is just not working anymore. I just can't post mm -hmm. something and it'll get the reach and the views and engagement that I was used to. So I had to actually go deeper. And I'm like, okay, so what does Instagram want us to do? What is actually working for other people on Instagram, for example? Again, Reels was becoming a thing. So I was like, okay, so I know that I have to do Reels, but I have no idea how to do Reels. I have no idea what to do. And so I just started watching, right? I just started seeing what was working for other people. Like mm -hmm. the, the accounts that were getting great engagement, they were getting, getting a lot of good views. Like what were they doing? That's kind of what started me on the path of what I call content hacking. 
So content hacking is essentially how do you see what's working for other accounts, other personalities, other influencers who have the same audience as you that you want to be targeting as well? And how can you use what they're putting out as inspiration for yours? So I think about it differently now. So rather than just repurposing blindly, starting from my podcast, my content, and just going, okay, well, this sounds like a good thing. Let me just put that out there and I'll just shove it in people's faces, even though that doesn't work because Instagram doesn't let you shove it in people's faces because of the (laughs) the algorithm. My approach was my content first. Whereas now I'm like, okay, it has to be platform first, as in what platform do I want to be on and what do I want to actually What do I need to work? And how can I then just overlay my topic, my content onto what is already working? I'll content hack. I'll find something that's working for someone else. I'll use this inspiration to be like, okay, well, my topic is about pod fade, for example, or it's about not repurposing content or it's about something. And I will actually then reconcept. So I call it reconcepting. We'll reconceptualize my content for social media with my topic and make it fun for people who want to watch. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. Let me um, say this back to you. So rather than kind of a direct repurpose with say the key themes, ideas, most important moment, you're looking at the platform, what is most appropriate and proven to work on that platform. And then taking your kind of underlying idea, presenting it in a new fashion, directing people back to your source content. Yes, Yes, love it. Exactly. I mean, that sounds simple and that's a very high level view, but I have been testing and really the key to making all of this work. I mean, because that's one part of it is how do you actually create content for that platform, specifically for Mm -hmm. the platform. But the key across all platforms, all communication channels, everything is what I call content honey traps. This is the bit that if everyone can master that this is what is going to get them the uplift that they're looking for. So for example, for me, and this is where where I'm like, I'm balancing the line. So I'm like, I think there's a way that we can make things like audiograms work. It's going to come down to actually these, what I call these content honey traps. For example, if we're going to just cut a video from our podcast episode recording and use that as our audiogram or as our reel, mm-hmm. essentially, We still need people to actually want to watch that reel. They're not going to just watch two random people having a conversation Mm. about they don't know what. So the content honey trap that we have to put on there is on that reel cover to be, hey, you want to watch this reel because of this either massive amount of value or at least from this point of view of curiosity. I've made you so curious about what this thing is that you have Mm. to now watch it. And then throughout that reel... We're also creating content honey traps to be like, okay, well, I'm going to either like leave you on a cliffhanger or I'm going to, I've got all these different mental models of how I think about content honey traps that you now have to go listen to the podcast episode, or you have to at least read the Mm -hmm. caption that will take you to the call to action being to listen to the podcast episode. So that's why I still don't necessarily believe in repurposing, but if we do repurpose, then the caveat to that is that we need to be able to lay these content honey traps to make people actually want to do the thing that you want them to do. Yes, there's a really strong element of kind of fresh copywriting that's going along with any repurposing that you're doing. I I couldn't agree with that more as a concept. Audiograms, I think, are a really interesting case because I found engagement is is middling. It can really vary by audience and by platform for them. But where I found that they are super valuable is they just make your guests feel awesome. 
as a relationship building play or relationship building a nurturing move, it can be a really nice thing to do. It's maybe, you know, worth the 10 minutes to create it just because, you know, the person who gets it, especially if they're not a really frequent guest, is just going to be chuffed that that something that they said that is so cool is now presented in this beautiful format for them. So I like them for that reason, if, if no other. Adds a little warm fuzzy to the podcasting relationship. So Instagram is kind of your your home, social media wise. Is that kind of where you spend the most of your time and see the most of your results? Or are there other platforms that you're also kind of targeting right now? And how's that going for you? Yeah, Instagram is, it's kind of the main thing that we create content for. Whatever I post on Instagram, I also post on Facebook, as you have seen. Mm-hmm. And that's really <laughs> interesting. That works. That strategy works because obviously they're both owned by Meta. So they kind of got the same goal, right? The same overarching vision and strategy. What's really interesting, I find, is that when something works on Instagram, it actually doesn't work on Facebook. But when something doesn't work on Instagram, it ends up working on Facebook. So I still haven't really quite figured out <laughs> why that really is or what. fascinating. Do you think it's the user base? I would have to put it down to that. And also, I guess, because, you know, on Facebook, you're technically the more friends that are people mm-hmm. following you. And so what might appeal to a friend who knows you, et cetera, is probably going to be different to the Instagram audience, as you said, who are probably just, yeah. they know you from a social media lens, but they're not a friend as such. Less of an expectation on Instagram of that personal relationship, you know, it yeah. is more, yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out, but yeah, that's what I found really interesting. That's fascinating. Have you done the experimenting with paid Facebook traffic for your Facebook posts? Just out of curiosity. No. You're talking about like boosting posts, for example? Boosting or just a PPC on the, the Facebook platform. We're experimenting with paid ads right now. So I'm just like, oh, how do these things work here? <laughs> so we haven't. We're not running any ads to content as such. So the only content that we run ads to is our podcast show notes. So we've done that, but we haven't actually run it to posts um, or to reels or anything like that. But definitely worth giving a shot for sure. Well, I mean, it's all experimentation, right? And you've got to try the things until they stick. So you've got your podcasting cadence, a social media cadence. When does the planning happen for you with the content that you're going to be talking about? And do you plan podcast episodes? Do you plan your social content at the same time? Or is it separate kind of with your organizational system? I'm settling down to listen to, to this. Girl. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I have to be really open that I do have a team. So I have people who help me with this. I'm going to lay out sort of my plan. And if anyone's listening to this being like, how the heck am I supposed to do this as a solopreneur? I'm not. I'm not laying that expectation on you because I have help. The podcast content, I come up with the topics right now. So for the first, gosh, I don't even know what, how many episodes, probably first 15 or so episodes of the Grandma Podcast Show was just me talking Bono was on it a lot, but essentially it was really me driving that topic and the creation of the content. And then I started to bring guests in. So right now I'm on a pretty alternate basis of guest solo, guest solo. But I plan, so when I write my own content, I do that probably three weeks out on that kind of cadence. Yeah. And now that I have guests coming in, I'm actually able to make a lot more content a lot earlier. So that's. It's given me a little bit of breathing room. When I first started this podcast, I was totally just basically the day before creating the content, recording and, and publishing. So 
So it's gotten me a few weeks to actually get into being able to be like quite ahead. Okay, so that's on the podcast side. So now I actually have someone in my team, I have a VA or virtual assistant who actually helps with the whole process of what I spoke about, which is like content hacking and actually helping me edit my content. We're trying to get to two weeks out, but we're kind of a week out right now. We will meet on a Monday for 30 minutes and she will actually pitch. I put that in inverted commas. She's not really pitching, but I can't think of a better way to do it. But she'll present her ideas from the content hacking exercise. So she will know the topic of the podcast that we're going to be releasing for the week. And she will actually have content hacked. I do two podcast promotion posts. Okay, so I have two podcasts. That ends up being, I do two for my Grow My Podcast show. I do one for the podcasting entrepreneur. So that's three posts. I do a how-to post, which is actually harking back to a previous podcast episode. I do like a capture post. And I do like a personal day in the life of Deidre type post. So she'll kind of go, okay, so those are kind of my content themes and content pillars. She'll be presenting basically, hey, these are the ideas that we have based on those topics. So in that 30 minutes, I'll be like, love this, don't like this so much. Hey, I I think this can work, but let's reconcept it this way. Yeah, workshop it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And from there, she'll have a list of, okay, this is what she will need me to do. By that, it means like, what do I have to film? What do I have to take photos of, etc. And so I will just knock those out in literally like five minutes. It is crazy. When you know what you want to record, it does not take any time to actually do the recording. I have the exact opposite idea about video in my mind. It's like video seems like such a commitment. Like you have to get the lighting, you've got to do the makeup, oh. you've got to... No, you're saying it's fast. Okay, well, this, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was joking with a a mastermind class that I have very little dignity on social media. I do not do makeup. (laughs) My hair is barely, I just kind of like unclip it and I'm like, okay, are we ready to go? (laughs) I (laughs) am so little fast. So I think that's probably why, to be fair, yeah, that's probably why it takes me so little time as well. So if you want a little bit of dignity, then yes, use that time. It may take a little bit more than five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Do put yourself together. So I do that. I send her all of my raw videos, raw files. Mm-hmm. She'll take a couple of days to edit it, put it together. We then meet on a Thursday for another 30 minutes and she'll play back to me all the, the videos that she's created, essentially Fantastic. the reels. That's it. And then she schedules it and up we go. So that's kind of how we do all that. Yeah, I love that level of organization. Do you use a project management system to keep track of content, socials? What, uh, what do you use? We use Asana. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we use across all of, you know, obviously we have a development team as well and everything. So yeah, we use Asana for all of the teams, everyone that we're working with. Very cool. We recently switched everything into Notion, which has been a lot of fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've seen ads for them on the subway. (laughs) It's a heck of a learning curve, but who is it customizable? (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, cool. We'll definitely have to look at that. Yeah. Next time we've got a little, I'm sure you're abundant free time. You can get into the notion rabbit hole. <laughs> I can tell, I think you're very data-driven. You like seeing the conversions, the results. What are the success metrics that you track? Like what tells you this is going in the right direction? What indicates success to you? So I'll talk you through the podcast traffic funnel, as I call it. Yeah. It relates just to social media as the top of funnel activity that we do. So if you just want to look at 
the post itself, then you'd be looking at things like engagement, etc., views, mm. reach. I mean, yeah, it's interesting just to see what type of content actually performs. But we actually really more look at the click-throughs on, I call it my funnel tree. Yeah. So it's like the link in bio. I have a few links on there. I have six. So we actually track, you know, what are the click-throughs on those. And that's actually how we kind of, in KPI, our content manager, she doesn't have anything to do with conversions because that's up to like us and how well the landing page copy mm-hmm. and stuff reads. But her whole job is really to drive people to click to link in bios. So that's the first thing is, are people clicking? As I said, like we do a couple of posts just on the Grow My Podcast show. So that should be yeah. one of the biggest links I get clicked. We'll look at that and that will obviously lead to listens or, or downloads. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the next step in the funnel. Are people actually listening to this show? Because what we do is we lay content honey traps. So from social media to get people to click, when they click, I lay content honey traps through the podcast episode to our show notes. Mm-hmm. That's essentially where we want to be driving people to. And the show notes is where we then look to convert people. Now convert, again, means a lot of different things. For us at an early stage, it's just to get people onto our list. So we will have a cheat sheet for that episode that people can opt in for. We obviously every have episode? pretty much, yeah, pretty much every episode. Wow. Yeah, we do a cheat sheet. So again, I have help. <laughs> so yeah, I have a lot of help with that. <laughs> No, even with help, I'm still impressed. That's that's a lot of content. That's awesome. Yeah. So we want people to get onto our list. We obviously also advertise our free trial. So anyone who's listened to my podcast, we do a bit of an ad break in the in the middle so that people and we're like, hey, we have this really compelling thing. Go sign up for it and you can see it in the show notes. So that's another way that we're trying to get people to actually opt in to, to something mm-hmm. that we have. And we also leave little Easter eggs as well. So I actually did a podcast episode on repurposing content or not repurposing content. And what we did when we spoke about content hacking was I was like, look, we'll actually leave an example in our show notes to show you how we took someone else's post and how we reconcepted that for our own topic. You can go see that in the show notes. So again, we're trying to push everyone to the next step. That's all you're trying to do with any kind of funnel is how do you just get them to do the next thing? So we just want people to go to show notes and opt in for something. And then once they opt in, once they're on on our list, then our job is to nurture them to Mm -hmm. the next outcome. What is the next action that we want them to take? So yeah, that's kind of pretty much the the metrics or the data points that I'm looking at constantly through the funnel. Oh, fantastic. Well, this has been extremely interesting. And thank you for sharing so much lovely detail about what you're doing, what you're working and how you're tracking it. Let's say someone is listening to this and they're just like, this is all sounding like a great deal of work. What's maybe one or two things? they can yeah. do to be a little more active, a little more effective, a little less miserable on social media? Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is just focus on one platform. You know this by now about me. I am an overachiever and I was the person who was like, I need to be, <laughs> I need to be on all the platforms. I need to be doing all the things because I see everyone else doing it. That is a really great way, fast way for you to get to burnout land. So don't do that. Just focus on one platform. Look, in terms of, because I also get, always get asked, like, what's the best platform to focus on? And that's really going to come down to, I think, two things. So one is, obviously, where's your audience? You have to be talking to your audience. But generally, I would say that everyone's audience is pretty much, now this is a blanket statement, is pretty much an, on every platform. So 
I kind mm-hmm. of also then overlay that with, well, what's the platform that you would enjoy? So as mm-hmm. I said, for me, I am just natural, way more natural with Instagram. You know, TikTok is one of those things that like, I just feel like it's a little bit of a chore for me because I'm just not used to it. And everyone's like, well, you got to be on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, I get it. But it's just, it's just that much. If you're not going to love something, it's also really, really hard to do and really and hard to be consistent with. So you've got to do something that you can learn to love and be consistent on. So that would be the first thing, just choose one platform. The second thing is like, for me, as I said, I do six or even seven posts a week. But again, I have help. So that's with help. If you cannot commit to doing six or seven posts a week, don't. Do two, do three, but try to be as consistent as possible with doing two or three. And that's all you need. I guess the third thing is if all else fails, like just try to be yourself. So I come back to even the reason why we started Capture in the first place, which was like, how do we help people tell their stories? How do we help them amplify their voice and their message? So if nothing else, if you're stuck about what do I say or what do I do on any of these platforms, just tell your story. Literally, and I mean that literally, like turn on the camera and just talk to it about what you did that day or what you're thinking or what you're working on or what you're, that will literally take you about 15 seconds, literally a 15 second clip will take you 15 seconds to do. And do not worry about perfection. I joked about not having dignity on social media. I joke about not doing my my hair, my makeup. I have just become really, really comfortable with being uncomfortable because mm-hmm. that is actually me authentically. And it's like, well, if people don't like to see me without makeup, then that's fine. That's them, you know, and that's totally cool. But they're just not my people. So I've just become really, really way more comfortable with being who I am and being uncomfortable because I just know that I will reach my people doing that. And it's going to be way less time, way less energy, way less effort to be able to do that than to try to be someone who I'm not on social media. So that's kind of my bottom line advice for anyone trying to do this. Fantastic. And I can't think of a better note to close on than that. That was wonderful words of wisdom. So Deirdre, thank you so much for being so generous with, with your time and your knowledge. To everyone listening, we're going to be list- linking to Capture the Grow My podcast show notes in particular, so you can take a look at how those are being done and sign up for one of the amazing checklists or cheat sheets that are going to be available there. Is there anywhere else you would like people to be connecting with you? Well, if you're on social media, I'm Deidre Shen on all of them. But yes, please, we have so excited about, about Capture. If you are a podcaster, struggling to create your copy, your show notes, your title, coming up with your social media posts, your captions, your promotional email, your blog posts, your YouTube description. If you're also podcasting on YouTube, then come and check Capshow out for free. We have a two-week free trial for you at capshow.com. Marvelous. Everyone check that out and I'll be back in just a second with our question of the week. All right, time for our question of the week. What if an interview didn't go well? Sometimes you have an interview with someone and it wasn't great. Maybe the energy was off. Maybe they said some things that you would really not be comfortable airing. Or maybe the discussion just fell flat for any of a dozen possible reasons. Sometimes two people can just fail to have an interesting conversation despite the best efforts of all. As a podcast host, you're faced with a decision. Can you air it? Should you? Here are some guidelines to help you make that decision. If the content was just not good, scrap it. It sucks, but not every episode sees the light of day, and it's your show. 
you're responsible for the quality of what goes out there. If you need to pull it from the calendar, do it. Explaining that to the guest can be a bit of a challenge, especially if you're trying to build a relationship with them. So if you do want to give the interview another shot and try to have another conversation that's going to sound a little bit better, you can reach out to them and kindly say that the audio didn't turn out the way you were hoping it would, and would they mind joining you for another conversation? If you want, you can blame the audio quality, but if it was because of the things they said or the way they said them, you'll probably need to give them some feedback if you want to have another call with them that turns out better. That might sound like, I enjoyed a lot of our conversation, but I don't feel we really dug into the issues of widget resource allocation, and it won't provide enough information that my audience really needs. Would you be open to giving it another shot? If you don't want to give it another try, then thank them for their time and apologize because the production calendar priorities for us have shifted since our conversation and we're not going to be able to air it. Now, if the guest was high stature enough or if the relationship is important enough to you that you don't want to risk and ask for a re-record or to tell them that you're not going to be airing it, you can try to salvage the episode through the magic of editing. This can be time consuming and a little expensive, but if you listen to the episode, pull out key things that they said and make a list of them, then you can write a script to frame them in a new context and a new format where you're carrying more of the weight of the recording. Then you record it and stitch the parts all together. We call this audio surgery, and sometimes it can help turn a low-energy or boring conversation into something a lot more compelling. So as always, you're the boss of your show, and as I mentioned, ultimately responsible for the experience your audio has with it. You should be listening to your episodes before you air them, and maybe even as soon as you've recorded them, to make sure that the quality is where you want and need it to be. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Megan Doherty. Thank you so much for joining me on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. As always, this podcast was created by the whole team at One Stone Creative, and we would love to hear about your project. You can get a test with us by entering your information, sending us a message on any contact form on onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. <laughs>